Something completely new on um, a dictionary of finance this week. We're coming to you standing up. Up until now, we've been sitting down to do our podcast. But today we're standing up. And our guest, too, is standing up, which is very appropriate because he's an accountant. Why is that appropriate, Allah? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. Really? Really. Because he has to stay balanced. Ah. He's, even now, he's actually doing something that looks like a figure skater because he's trying to give you a hint that he has to stay balanced. I thought he wanted me to tell you all about his um, abilities as a skater, which I understand are also significant. Indeed. Yes. Marius Kara, you do some uh, figure skating. I do some skating, ice skating, yes. Uh, I've been doing it for a very long time. Triple salco, that kind of thing. You don't get that on the balance sheet. It does sound like an accounting term, though, doesn't it? Triple salco and double axle definitely does. We're going to get to uh, double entry accounting today, which is linked to the double axle, I expect. Marius is actually deputy head of division in the finance directorate um, here at the European Investment Bank. He joined the bank 12 years ago working for the audit committee. Who does audits? Accountants do. And Marius, as you know, is an accountant. In fact, before he joined the bank, he was resident auditor on the UN peacekeeping mission in Kosovo. That must have been a little bit hairy sometimes. It was quite challenging. As an auditor? <laughs> no, especially the mission life was uh, rather tough at times. Was it during the, the actual fighting there in Kosovo? It, it was uh, just after the um, war ended. So you're talking about 2001, 2003. Oh. And uh, the, um, there was a huge presence there of uh, UN, the EU, NATO, uh -huh. trying to stabilize the, 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 the place. Yeah, I don't think uh, anyone really cares about balancing the books during a war. They, they just do it afterwards. Ah, but we care about it. And that's why we've got this uh, podcast today on the balance sheet. So, Marius, let's start. Before we get to the terms that you have on a balance sheet, what is a balance sheet for? The balance sheet is a place to record your company's assets and liabilities because you do want to keep track of what you have and what you owe. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, everything enters there into the balance sheet via uh, double entry. Any transaction, in fact, has two sides. Mm -hmm. You give something and you obtain something. So you have to record an asset and a liability. Okay, so let's, uh, let's give that's it a the very... double entry? Yeah. So that's uh, the double entry? Yeah, more yes. or less. So let's, uh, let's give a very a simple explanation. So basically, if I'm... If I produce something and I sell that thing, then I have to record that this item has left my inventory. And if I get money for it in return, then I record that I got some money in return for it. That's, that's a very simple example of that, right? Exactly. And you will also record a profit, hopefully, mm. for that. So basically... It's a triple. In entry. that... No that transaction will have two entries. Uh -huh. 
so you first you will um, record a receivable or cash mm -hmm. so that's uh, your debit you have to receive something for what you sold mm -hmm. and then on the other side you have to record um, a revenue mm. yeah and then you also have to decrease your stock yeah mm -hmm. and for that you you credit the stock yeah you reduce it and you debit an expense well, so let's say I'm, I have a company that makes standing tables. We're standing at a standing table here. Okay. I make the standing table and I sell it to you for 100 euros. Mm -hmm. Which is the asset and which is the liability? You give me 100 euros, I give you the table. What do I record as an asset? What do I record as a liability? In your case, you will have to record 100 euro as cash or receivable from me. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of this transaction, is a rev there is a revenue for, for you. Mm -hmm. But then you have to get this table out of your balance sheet because it's gone. You sold it to me. Mm -hmm. And to do, before you, you sold it, it was in inventory in your balance sheet. In and my assets. In your assets. Yes. And it had a cost. A cost which hopefully is lower than the price that you are asking for uh -huh. from me. So let's say this cost you 90 euro to assemble it, to pack it, everything. Mm -hmm. So you have it at cost at 90 euro in your balance sheet. When you sell it to me, as well as recording a revenue and a, and a receivable, you also have to credit inventory by 90 euro and debit expenses by 90 euro. Mm -hmm. ah. Now, your profit would be the net between revenues and expenses. So in this case, it would be 100, what you have in revenues, minus 90, what you have recorded as an expense. So your profit is ah. 10 for the table. Okay, so if we take this, um, if we take an example from from the finance world, from a bank, uh, how I think it's a very, it's a very different um, it's very different for a bank, right? For you know, if we give out a loan, what is that? Is that an asset or a liability or what is that? In in our case, the loan is an asset. Mm -hmm. Because it is bringing in revenues exactly. via the premium. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The revenue, though, it's the interest mm -hmm. that I uh, receive for the loan. Mm -hmm. Now, on my liability side, I will have the means to finance these loans. Mm -hmm. So what, what do we do? What does a bank do? In order to have money to give loans to customers, it, the banks have to attract this money somehow. And a retail bank would have deposits from, from um, clients. Mm -hmm. So a, a retail bank, the, the deposits that um, clients have put into the bank, this would be recorded under liabilities for the bank. Precisely. Yes. Okay. Because they might have to pay them back, meaning. 
Of course. Uh -huh. They belong to the clients. Well, that's true. I forgot about that. It's easy to forget <laughs> that, isn't it? When you have money in a bank, you forget that it's not you. It, it's the it's your money still. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about who creates a balance sheet before we get more into the terms, and and what they look like, and so on, and where you will find one. So, who or what needs a balance sheet? Well, pretty much every trade every enterprise every company or even a sole entrepreneur would need a balance sheet the users can be different uh, in each case uh, if i'm a sole entrepreneur i don't have uh, shareholders i do want to know um, how my business is doing and the taxman also wants to know how it looks in order to assess what I owe to the state. Mm -hmm. And this gets complicated, um, of course, by the type of the company, by the structure, by how big it is. So if you want to know, you know what, what sort of company this is in financial terms, you go to the balance sheet, you go to the, the annual report or something like that, and you can look, or at least you as an accountant, can look at that balance sheet pretty quickly and say, this is a healthy company, this company is not so healthy, and make other kinds of judgments like that, just from this one set of, of terms. Exactly, and this would be um, most useful for investors, but also for shareholders, of course, because there are certain ratios that you can um, compute and you can judge the state of health, like you, like you put it. Now, of course, these ratios would be different from one industry to the other. Uh, the ratios are very different, let's say, uh, in the banking sector versus the utility or manufacturing sector, because we are talking about different type of business which employ different type of assets and which probably also finance themselves differently. Well, I want to get to the, the ratios in a little bit because I wrote some down and they have some pretty cool names. I'm going to get mm. to a few of those later. But So when you've got a balance sheet, you mentioned all, you know, a sole entrepreneur right up to the biggest companies have to have a balance sheet. But does that balance sheet look essentially the same? The balance sheet of Apple looks the same as somebody who's running a business out of their garage? There, there are some common features which make the balance sheet look very similar. Hmm. The first one would be every balance sheet would have a left side and the right side. And usually on the left you have the assets and on the right side you have the minus, mm -hmm. the liabilities, mm -hmm. which of course um, also include the capital of the company. Mm -hmm. So the money that the shareholders have put up, put into the company. Exactly, that's a liability towards shareholders. Of course there are other um, ways of financing a business, there are other people who um, tend to lend money to to companies. There are bondholders 
who buy the bonds issued by a company. And there are also other types of liabilities that a company would have on the right side. But is it, is it a kind of international language? In other words, in Romania, where you're from, if, uh, if an American investor wants to look at a Romanian company, he looks at the balance sheet and recognizes it to be essentially the same kind of structure as you know, back in New York. There is a huge effort of uh, convergence uh, internationally. And just because you mentioned it, Romania has uh, adopted the international accounting standards for uh, medium and large companies uh, back in uh, the early 2000s. So, yes, um, the financial statements now would look similar to those um, that are uh, drawn up in other parts of the world. Who, who decides that? You mentioned the international accounting was it standards. Who, who are they and why do they get to decide? The, the international accounting standards are drawn by um, an international board. There are other standards like the U.S. Uh, GAP, the U.S. Generally Accepted Accounting Principles, um, oh, you pronounce that gap? It's not gap, because like, it's G A A P. Yeah, it's G A. But people say gap. Yeah. I oh, okay, that's good. that's a good thing. If if our readers, like the listeners, upper, take away one thing, <laughs> they'll know not to say, "Well, I'm applying gap rules." Good. Okay, we've taught them something. Also, mm-hmm. in Europe, there uh, there are the European directives, mm-hmm. um, and for example, the the EIB is um, drawing accounts under the EU directives, but also under IFRS, International Financial Reporting Standards. So, And these standards, they would uh, give a guidance to companies like when and how to, to record things. Like, for example, if I... Let's go back to the, to the, to the table example. If I sell this... Um, to you, and you tell me that yeah, you'll you'll pay me for it, but you'll pay you'll pay me for it in a couple of months' time. Then you know, at, at what point uh, can I record that sale, and at what point can I record that revenue and and things like that? Because I, it it seems to me that there could be a lot of flexibility in in when do I say that this table is actually sold? Is that is it at the point? when the money is in my bank account. Uh, and also, for example, if, if you're not paying me, at what point do I have to record that I'm not going to get that money? Well, normally we should have a contract to, to record this transaction. And I don't need to wait until the money comes into my account in order to record a transaction unless... I'm using cash accounting. Mm-hmm. In cash accounting, basically, you only record the cash transactions. Mm-hmm. But what so what, what is that non-cash accounting called? It's, it has a term, right? The non-cash accounting is called accruals accounting. Accruals accounting, okay. And that gives me the, op- the possibility to record a transaction irrespective of the cash settlement. Mm-hmm. So the moment we have the contract, um, I can record the transaction. 
Maybe I haven't even delivered a table yet. Maybe the contract says deliver in 30 days, but I can still record the transaction. How do we know that what people show in the balance sheet is true? The common language is the first step. That's why we like standards, because they make financial statements look similar. But the certification is actually, or the verification is performed by auditors, mm -hmm. financial auditors in, in this um, instance. Are auditors accountants? You become an accountant and then you train some more to become an auditor? Or how do you become an auditor? Not necessarily. Auditors should understand accounting, but should have also other skills and training in order to be able to verify. So would an auditor actually go to the warehouse and make sure that I have as many tables as I have put into the inventory? Exactly. Uh -huh. that's, that's the nightmare of any junior auditor because uh, all the inventories are taken at uh, year end. And uh, that's uh, how I spent uh, two or three year ends uh, uh -huh. back in the day. That's spoil your Christmas, <laughs> won't it? Going, running around doing that. <clears throat> so let's, let's look a little bit at the, um, at the accounts that you make here with your accruals or your cash accounting. You have the assets, you have the liabilities. What, what are the things that would be included under assets? Again, here we, we will use um, some conventions and we will list the assets and liabilities in their order of liquidity, for example. Mm -hmm. in, in which case we will start with the cash. Oh. So first on top on the asset side would be cash. Well, it can be cash in hand or cash in the bank account. Mm -hmm. And then I will go down with the next liquid um, assets. And usually these would be the financial assets of which a bank tends to have a lot. Um, but not all companies would have the same structure of, of their asset side. A manufacturing company would have a more um, production assets, factory space, machinery, equipment, um, assembly lines, and, and so on. So these are more like fixed assets. These are not so liquid. Now, we were talking about assets and liabilities, money that's coming in, money that's going out. Where on that does accounts receivable and accounts payable fit? What, what does that actually mean? Accounts receivable, accounts payable. And what do you think? Well, I get a little confused about it because accounts payable, it's not necessarily clear that someone might be paying me or am I paying them. Accounts receivable, I suppose that's a bit more clear. And maybe that solves the other one, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So That's why I don't run a business, I suppose. <laughs> there we go. Accounts receivable are assets are um, things that I, I'm expecting to receive. But I haven't gotten them yet. So it's no. kind of... It's not as good as cash, yes. but is still an asset for me. And I think you, you were asking a bit earlier, when do I conclude that it's not these, coming. these are not coming? 
of course, here also there are some some conventions, and um, the older a receivable gets, um, the more problematic to collect might might be. But there are other um, re there can be reasons behind. So when I have doubts about the degree to which I, I can collect, then I make a provision against those receivables. Mm -hmm. I, so I call them bad or doubtful receivables. Ah. So accounts receivable would be something that would be on a balance sheet if you were doing accrual accounting, but not cash accounting? Well, in cash accounting, you would normally, you wouldn't expect such a category, except there could be instances where, for example, you are paid uh, with checks. That's more the case in America. I, I remember those things, yeah. yes. Uh -huh. So you would, you would have cash in, uh, checks in transit. Hmm. So, again, that's not exactly the same thing as cash, but you will still record them because you do expect them. But what's what's there's a there's a separate report then in those um, balance sheets usually which deals with with the cash flow right and so what why is that necessary when you already have the balance sheet and you have uh, you have the profit and loss statement what's the, what does the cash flow deal with why why is why do I as an investor or someone looking at a health of a company why do I need that information. Well, precisely because I keep my books on the accrual principle, that's why I need also a cash reconciliation mm -hmm. to show how, my, how the cash moved in and out of my company, starting with the opening cash balance and ending with the 31st December cash balance, which, of course, can be audited, can be traced to the bank statement. Mm -hmm. So the cash flow statement shows all that happened in between. And it breaks these flows into different categories. Uh, like, for example, operating activities, investing activities. It shows, if you want how the money is used. How am I using the money? Hmm. Ah, so it, it sounds like it might imply how fast it's being used and whether that's going faster or slower, flow, but it's not that. Uh, no. It's just where the money's going. Really. Exactly. Where is it flowing to? Yes, it's, it's um, giving an indication um, not only about the nature of the operations, but also about the maybe the focus in one particular year on certain activities. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Now, I want you to take a look at my friend Alar here and tell me, is he an asset or a liability? In, in, the, in, in, in banking, in accounting terms, I mean, obviously, you know. In, in, in accounting terms, um, all um, employees are assets. And in some companies, the employees are the most uh, precious assets. 
You mean with the software companies and things like that now that the uh, digital companies where they don't have fixed assets? Precisely. There are a lot of companies which are uh, worth a lot, but yet they don't have um, a lot of tangible assets, a lot of fixed assets. So mm -hmm. what, they, what they prize, what they, their capital is the human capital. Mm. The, 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 so you're, you're an asset. Mm. Thank yeah. you. That yeah. sounds... That's let's very kind. Before we run out of time, let's spring a few ratios because we promised some ratios. Let's try some. What's the liquidity ratio or the current ratio? Again, ratios can be expressed in, um, in um, different ways and there are conventions which um, try to make the language uniform. Uh, the, li the liquidity ratio... Uh, typically is the um, uh, ratio which uh, between my liquid assets and liabilities. So the final one that I have here is I've seen a quick ratio or the acid test. What's the, the acid test? That's, um, that's uh, actually the same type of ratio, but it uh, takes into account... Um, uh, fewer assets. Ah, so so so, there's, so it's quicker. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. Well, this has been a, a really interesting balancing act. I think we managed to remain balanced. I've I've been standing up here the whole time. And I'm good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've been we've done very well, and I hope now our listeners will understand what their accountants or well also their auditors, but certainly their accountants are talking about when they're talking about the, bal the, the balance sheet. So, Marius, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'd love to hear from our, our listeners. Uh, you can send us your balance sheets, if you like. You can uh, tell us tell your us, ratios. You can tell us <coughs> your ratios. You could also uh, write to us on Twitter and tell us what great assets we are. Yes. Uh, uh, or because it's social media, you can also tell us we're big liabilities. We don't care, really. That's... It's just about the engagement. So I'm at EIB Matt, M-A-T-T. And I'm at Allar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. So meantime, do subscribe uh, to this podcast and rate it and all those other nice things, or just keep listening. And we'll see you uh, next week on A Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank. <laughs>